Heavenly Father, now have mercy upon us as we open your word. Forgive our speaker. You know his sins are many. Help us to see Christ, just Christ. Through Christ we pray. And all the church said. Well, the phrase shelter in place was not in our vocabulary a few months ago. Now even our children know its meaning. Quarantine was, at least in my vocabulary, an extreme measure to isolate a few. Now I see it as an extreme measure to isolate us all. Self-isolation, at least for me, conjured up images of a peaceful sabbatical. Not anymore. Those who self-isolate have fevers and cough and the possibility of a deadly disease. We used to wear masks. I'm sorry, we used to shake hands. Now we wear masks. We used to give hugs. Now we keep our distance. We used to smile at the fellow shopper in the grocery. I was in the grocery yesterday and people were walking around me like I hadn't had a bath in six weeks. We're avoiding each other, walking wide circles around a potential carrier. Now while the intended outcome is to keep us safe, a certain byproduct is loneliness. Loneliness. It's as if we each live on an isolated island, separated from others. We are alone. Do you know the feeling? Are you acquainted with the downward spiral of isolation? Do you feel that you're all by yourself? If you know the feeling, you're not alone. I, I don't mean you're not alone in knowing the feeling. I mean, simply, you're not alone. You may feel like you are, but you're not. That raw, dark sense of isolation and powerlessness, it's not here to stay. And your gracious heavenly Father has some words to talk to you, to help you step out of that lonely spot of loneliness. It's a psalm, the 23rd psalm. Perhaps the best known psalm of all of the book in the book of Psalms. King David wrote this, a former shepherd himself. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside the still waters. And he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This poem of worship is easily divided into 16 stanzas or phrases. And right at the heart of the psalm is the heart of the psalm. And that is the phrase, you are with me. You are with me. Because you are with me, I'll, feel, I'll fear no evil. Because you are with me, I shall not want. Because you are with me, my soul is restored and my path is righteous. And I shall walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I won't be afraid. Why? Because you are with me. You see, the presence of God changes everything. Let's look for just a moment at the pain of the lonely. The pain of the lonely. I have a friend who worked his way through college at the University of Texas. 
by delivering goods to nursing homes from a pharmacy. An additional task, however, was a trip he made right next door. Every four days, he would shoulder a large uh, jug of water and carry it 50 or so feet to a building that was behind the pharmacy. The customer was an older woman, perhaps in her 70s, who lived alone in a dark, sparse, tarnished appointment, apartment. A single light bulb hung from the ceiling in the living room. The, the wallpaper was, was stained and it was peeling. The shades were always drawn. The room was always shadowy. And Steve, my friend, would deliver the jug and receive the payment and thank the woman and leave. Over the weeks, he, he grew puzzled by her purchase. He, he came to learn that the woman had no other source of water except what he brought her. She would rely on his delivery for four days of washing, drinking, bathing, odd choice. Municipal water was cheaper. The city would have charged her 12 to $15 a month, but her bill at the pharmacy added up to $50 a month. And he wondered why didn't she choose the less expensive source of water? The answer he came to know was in the delivery system. The city water cost less, but the city sent only water. They didn't send a human being. She preferred to pay more and see a person than pay less and see no one. He was one of the few people she saw all week long. Could anyone be that lonely? By now you've learned that you don't have to be alone to feel lonely. 2,000 years ago, 250 million people populated our planet. Today, there are more than 5 billion people. If loneliness could be cured simply by the presence of people, there would certainly be less loneliness, but loneliness lingers. I remember very early in my ministry, I, I offered what I thought was a, an innocent Sunday morning prayer. I, I said, thank you, Lord, for all our friends. We have so many friends, we can't get with them all. Didn't think much about it. After the service, a gentleman corrected me in the church foyer. A very successful businessman said, you may have so many friends, you can't visit them all. Not me. I don't have a single friend. You see, a person can be surrounded by people. He can even attend a church. He can even be very successful. And be very, very lonely. Loneliness is not the absence of faces. It is really the absence of intimacy. It doesn't come from being alone. It comes from that feeling of aloneness. Feeling as if you're facing death alone. Facing disease alone. Facing the future alone. And whether it strikes you in your bed at night or your, your drive to the hospital in the silence of an empty house or even in the noise of a crowded bar, loneliness is that moment in which you think I'm all by myself. It's just me and I ain't much. Does anyone care? Boy, don't we need this message today. Even in the pre-pandemic era, we were a country marked by loneliness 
Administrators of one of the largest hospitals in America cite loneliness as the major reason for overcrowded emergency rooms. The Parkland Hospital of Dallas, Texas made this startling discovery as they were looking for ways to unclog their system. They analyzed data and compiled a list of high utilizers. They identified 80 patients who went to four emergency rooms, look at this, 5,139 times in a 12-month period, costing the system $14 million. Once they identified the name of these repeat visitors... They commissioned teams to meet with them and determine the reason. Their conclusion? Loneliness. Loneliness. Poverty and food shortage were contributing factors, but the number one determinant was the sense of isolation. The ER provided a source of attention. Kindness. Friendship. And care, hence multiple return visits. They all want to know someone cares. Don't we all? When life feels depleted, does anyone care? Most of all, does God care? When I hear him saying no, does he have a response? When I'm facing an onslaught of challenges, will he help me? When life grows dark and stormy, does he notice? And when I'm facing the fear of death or the uncertainty of the future, will he help me? The resounding answer and welcome answer of Psalm 23 is yes. Can you look at this? God's promise to the lonely. This could very well be the promise he wants you to hear today. His promise to the lonely is what David said to God. You are with me. You are with me. Yes, Lord, you're in heaven. Yes, Lord, you rule the universe. Yes, Lord, you sit on the stars and make your home in the deep. Yes, 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 you are up there. But yes, 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 you are in here. You are with me. The Lord is with me. The Creator is with me. Yahweh is with me. Moses proclaimed it. He said, what a great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us. Paul pronounced it. He said, God is not far from each one of us. What David discovered is the absolute truth of Scripture, and that is, you are with me. I don't know where he discovered it. Maybe in the wilderness when he was running from Saul. Uh, maybe in the pasture when he was caring for the sheep. Uh, maybe in the, in the loneliness of leadership as he was the king of Israel. Or maybe even in the, in the redemption, the, the, the seeking of forgiveness after his sin with Bathsheba. But at some point he was able to make that declaration right at the heart of the psalm. You are with me. He discovered that God meant business when he said what he said in the book of Genesis I will not leave you. Or 1 Kings 6, 13, I will not forsake my people. Or Psalm 94, 14, the Lord will not abandon his people. Or God will never leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. The discovery of David is indeed the discovery of Scripture. And that is we are never alone. Never alone. God is with us. And since the Lord is near, that changes everything. It changes everything. You may be facing death, but you're not facing it alone. The Lord is with you. 
You may be facing unemployment, but you're not facing it alone. The Lord is with you. You may be facing marital struggles, but you're not facing them alone. The Lord is with you. You may be facing debt, but you're not facing debt alone. The Lord is with you. Would you please underline those words? Would you please carve them on the entryway to your house? Would you please tattoo them on your heart? The Lord is with you. You are not alone. Yeah, your family may turn against you, but God won't. Friends may betray you, but God won't. You may feel alone in the wilderness, but you're not. He is with you. And because he is, everything is different. Hear this. Because God is with you, he will change your in to a V. He will change you, change you from lonely to lovely. You see, when you know God is with you, everything changes. When you know God loves you, you won't be desperate for the love of others. You'll no longer be a hungry sharp shopper at the grocery store. When I went to the grocery store yesterday, I, I texted Deanlin. I said, is there anything you need me to get while I'm here? I, I was just going to the pharmacy. She said, well, we're all out of chips and we're all out of crackers. Boy, does she live to regret that mistake. You see, I was hungry. I was hungry. It's not wise to go to a grocery store when you're hungry. Every bag of chips looks good. Every box of crackers looks like a candidate. When I brought it home, she said, I shouldn't send you to the grocery store. I said, just, I just shouldn't go there when I'm hungry. <clears throat> if you go to the grocery store on an empty stomach, you're a sitting duck. You'll buy everything that you don't need. Doesn't matter if it's good for you or not. All you want to do is fill your tummy. Friend, when you're lonely... When you're lonely, you'll do the same in life. You'll do the same in life. Pulling stuff off the shelf, not because you need it, but, but because you're lonely, because you're hungry for love. Why do we do it? Well, we fear facing life alone. For fear of, 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 of not fitting in, we take drugs. For fear of standing out, we wear clothes that we don't like. For fear of appearing small, we go into debt and buy a house that we don't need. For fear of going unnoticed, we dress to seduce or dress to impress. For fear of sleeping alone, we sleep with anyone. For fear of not being loved, we search for love in all the wrong places. That's what loneliness can do for you. If you're lonely... If you're lonely, would you please today let God deal with your loneliness? Hear the calming voice of your shepherd as he says to you this. This will not last forever. It's isolation. It's going to pass. This loneliness, it won't be here much longer. This feeling of looking around, seeing nobody or feeling like nobody's here. Listen. God will help you here on this earth, but I got to tell you, his ultimate answer to our loneliness is our heavenly home. He's coming for us. He's coming for us. Praise to his name. Years after David wrote these words, another Bethlehem shepherd would say these words that are so precious. And Jesus said, there are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Note the promise of Jesus. I will come back. I will come back and take you to be with me. He doesn't delegate this task. 
He may send a missionary to teach you, angels to protect you, teachers to guide you, singers to inspire you, physicians to heal you, counselors to counsel you, pastors to lead you, but he sends no one else to take you. He has reserved this task for himself. I will come back and take you home. My friend, he is your personal shepherd. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ as your Savior, he has become the shepherd of your soul. And at the right time, in the right way, on the right day, he will come back. He will come back. Do not think for a moment that when you close your eyes to die, that you will close your eyes to be alone. Your Lord Jesus will meet you on this side of death and he will walk you through. He will come back. He is personally responsible to lead you home. Once when we moved from one house to another, we promised our, our daughters a big dog. We had a small yippity yappity dog by the name of Salty. Uh, we all liked Salty, but little dogs aren't real dogs, right? I wanted a big dog, you know, a big lumbering dog. And so did my daughter, Sarah. She wanted a big dog. And so we, we double teamed Dinalyn and convinced her that we should get a big dog. And I got online and I found a, a woman in South Carolina who breeds golden retrievers in a Christian environment. <laughs> Must have been the Lord's will, right? I mean, from birth, the dogs are surrounded by inst inspirational music and prayers. They're even taught to tithe with their dog biscuits. I'm looking at an empty sanctuary but you would have laughed at that joke had you been here when the trainer told me that she had read my books I knew that this was the trainer for us what a woman she's such good taste surely she has to be a good breeder right so we <clears throat> we ordered a pup maybe you remember me talking about her Molly we mailed the check we selected the name and we cleared a corner for her dog pillow. Now the dog had not even been born and she was already named, claimed, and given a place in the house. Can the same not be said about you? Long before your first whimper, your master claimed you and he named you and he hung a reserved sign on your room. You and Molly have more in common than odor and eating habits. You're both being groomed for a trip. We prefer the terms maturation and sanctification to weaning and training, but it's all the same. We're all being prepared for a place in our master's house. You see, heaven is a, is a perfect place for those who have been made perfect by Jesus Christ. And all these challenges that we face in our lives are part of his sanctification he is preparing us. He is using us. He is preparing us for his prepared place. And he is using us to get the word out to others about this prepared place. He's going to come and get us, folks. He's going to come and get us. But until then, we're just in training. We're in training. We're learning to lean on him, learning to lean into him, learning to trust him. That's why during times of such intense struggle as these days, it is more important than ever, more important than ever 
that we turn to him. We keep our Bibles open and our knees bent and our eyes heavenward, that we do whatever it takes to stay close to our master. We don't know the day he's coming. I sometimes wonder if it doesn't seem like he's coming any minute now, but I don't know. I don't know his departure date, but I do know that he's just waiting. He's just waiting for that moment that the heavenly father turns to the shepherd and says, now go get them, go fetch them, go, go save them, go rapture them, go call them into their eternal home. You can bet your sweet puppy chow that you're going to be seeing your maker someday. This is, by the way, the concluding promise of David. We're not concluding the study of the 23rd Psalm, but this is the final scripture of the 23rd Psalm. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. How could he face the challenges of life? He knew he was going to face the challenges. He was going to spend his forever life facing his master in the home of his maker forever. Now, you see, folks, this house that we're in, this is not our forever house. It's not. That's why we feel so lonely here. That's why even on, on good days, in good times, we have this gnawing sense that we were not made for this place. This here, this life on this earth, this house, house and let me tell you what it is. It's short-term housing. It's a hotel room on your way home. It's not, you were not made to live here. The scripture tells us that our homeland is where? It's in heaven. I know your passport says you're a citizen of, of the United States or a citizen of Mexico or a citizen of Canada. Yeah, I know, I know. But if you're in Christ, you're a citizen of heaven. That's your true home. That's why we're so lonely. That's why we're homesick. That's why really this loneliness and this homesickness will be lifted once and for all when we're home, when we're home. And oh, what a moment that's going to be. Molly could tell you all about it. Yeah, Molly, finally, we got her to our house. A month into her house, life in our new house, uh, she ran away. She ran away. I came home one night, found the house unusually quiet. Everybody was sad and concerned. Molly was gone. She had slipped out unnoticed. Well, the search began immediately. Within an hour, we knew she, must, she was far, far from home. Now, if you don't like pets, what I'm about to say is going to sound strange. If you do like pets, you're going to understand. You're going to understand why I walked up and down the street calling your name. You're going to understand why I drove around the neighborhood at 10.30 p.m. You're going to understand why I put up a poster in the convenience store and convened the family for prayer. Honestly, I did. You'll understand why I sent emails to the staff asking for prayers, why I emailed the breeder asking if she had any advice. You'll understand why we were ready to toss the confetti and throw a party when she showed up. She did. Here's what happened. The next morning, Deanlin was on her way home from taking the girls to school. This is some years ago. But she was on her way home when she, she saw the, the trash truck. And she pulled over and lowered a window and said, hey, could you keep an eye out for a for a, for a little puppy golden retriever. They said they would. She hurried home to host a, a mom's prayer group. Soon after the ladies arrived, the trash truck pulled into our driveway. A worker uh, walked up the, 
walked up the driveway and he had in his arms, guess who? Yep, little Molly. Molly, she had been found. And when, when Dylan called to tell me the news, I could hardly hear her voice. I mean, it was, it was Mardi Gras in our kitchen. Everybody was so excited. They were all celebrating the return of Molly. Now that story pops with symbolism. The master leaving his house, searching for the lost, victories in the midst of prayer, great things coming out of trash, but most of all, the celebration of coming home. You know, that's something else you have in common with Molly. You're going to have a party at your homecoming. Those who love you are going to shout. And those who know you will applaud. But all the noise will cease when your master sees you. And when he cups your chin and lifts your eyes to look into his. And he says, welcome home. We have a place prepared just for you. And with scarred hands, he'll wipe away every tear from your eye. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My friend, would you set your heart on your forever home? May he give you strength while we're here on earth. May he keep you faithful. May you find joy. But may you never feel at home here because you're not at home here. And the ultimate mistake is to feel at home too soon because this is not your home. But your home is soon coming. It is soon coming. And for those of you who have said yes to Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Shepherd, you can take great hope in that. You can take great hope in that. And for those of you who, for whatever reason, have not, my question to you is simply, why not? Why not? Why don't you just say yes to him? Why don't you say yes to him? He is the perfect Savior but he's also a perfect gentleman and he doesn't force his way into anyone's life. Once you invite him, he'll come in and he'll do everything, change everything, make you a better person, prepare you for your eternal home. But that only happens upon invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he said. I stand at the door and knock. Do you hear him knocking on the door of your heart? Open the door, let him come in. Let him come in and sit at the table and eat with you. Receive your shepherd today. Let me lead us all in a prayer. But for those of you who are saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, this prayer is especially for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we receive you, Father. We receive you as our shepherd. We thank you, Father, for the gift of loneliness because it reminds us that we're not home. We thank you for the gift of your son, Heavenly Father, our shepherd, and his guarantee that we will be at home with you forever. During these difficult days, Heavenly Father, would you please reach out and, 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 and call in a whole new expansion to your flock. Would you please reach out and call those who have always turned away from you. And would you right now, Heavenly Father... Call them home. Call them by the dozens, by the hundreds, by the thousands, dear Father. Yes, please. And thank you, Lord, for these who have said yes to you for the first time today. Through Christ we pray. If you said yes to Christ for the first time today, let us know. Let us know so we can encourage you. 
<clears throat> so we can be there with you, so we can help you understand the Bible, so we can see your participate in your baptism and where you can belong to this church. God bless you, and we're looking forward to seeing you soon.